It's Friday, September 17th, and you've got Oz in your ears. Well, hi there. This is David Osmond, again on the road for Radio Free Oz, and we are here on the steps of the Capitol Building for the unveiling of designer Yves Sansstool's Midterm Modern fashion line. Uh, hi, Eve. Welcome to Washington, D.C. Well, merci, David, and hello to you, too. Yes. You know, this is a very exciting time. Upheaval is in the air. Uh-huh. The Republicans are beginning to test blood. And as you know, many of them live entirely on blood. So for them, this is a very heady time. Oh, yes. Well, it's a beheading time, too, <laughs> I think, is uh, probably what they have in mind. Uh, so are you designing for these uh, right-wingers, these hordes of right-wingers that are kind of descending on this town? No, David. Uh, no? No. These boobwars. They are cut from another cloth, and it is a shot I cannot float. Oh, but I have put together a line of accessories that will uh-huh. allow us to suffer through the next two years. And by that, you must mean uh, some of this unusual jewelry. Ah, yes, the Bible uh-huh. belt. Uh, uh-huh. On both sides of the buckle, you see, are the lithium LEDs with continual readouts of Old and New Testament passages. Uh, wait, wait, wait. Let me try to follow this. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings, uh, uh, thunders, and voices. Uh-huh. That's uh, from, uh, the Revelations? Is I that think it is. Right. So look inside. Uh-huh. Now look there into the mirrored buckles surrounded by the clusters of emeralds and sardine uh, stones. What do you see? Uh, oh, oh, my gosh. <laughs> For just a second there, I thought I... I saw myself as Jesus. Well, everyone does, David. It's a holographic trick, but for the fundamentalists, a great self-esteem builder. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure it is. Well, what about the the watch? Oh, much more than a watch. It uh-huh. is a GOP Gadar early warning system. It glows pink and plays the village people. Ooh. If any of the Republicans in the room are still in the closet, oh, I had Ken Melman tagged a month before he came out. Oh, that's a very clever item. Okay, now now this. What is this? A- Flimsy. It's a, a, a body suit. What, it's what's an ultra thin, second skin dyed the very hue of John Baymer's suntan. Oh. Slip it on and fit right in with the other Georgetown barflies toasting their skyrocketing sordid careers. You, huh? can, you can have a, an all-over tan and, 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 a, and, a, and a bespoke suit sort yeah. of at the same time. Now, David, yeah. I know you're going okay. to that tea party over at C Street Frat House. Oh, yes. You'll need some protection. Uh, I, I Try on so. this faux George Washington tricolor radio hat with antenna wig. All right, let me, it oh. blocks all signals from Fox, Rush Limbaugh, and Glenn Beck and surreptitiously lets you listen to Rachel Maddow while these boobs are trying to fill your head with their useless natter. Let me see now. Uh, well, so uh, usually I get silence from yeah. these things, but oh, there she is. Yeah, yeah, She's funny, yeah, huh? She cute. She's nice boobs. Well, no, well, those are the other. No, I, I, I must go. A client yes. of mine is attending an affair where Sarah Palin will be appearing. That's and too bad. She wants to keep her distance, yeah. so. No, no problem. She'll be wearing my new scent, KTC. KTC. It KTC? mimics Katie Couric's pheromones. It totally terrorizes Mama Grizzlies and leaves them speechless. <laughs> that must be what worked on Jan Brewer. Au revoir! <laughs> so long. Yes, you're up on the web, or you've had something come down from the web and it's in your ears. You've got Oz in your ears. It's RadioFreeOz.com. I'm your host, Peter Bergen. My co-host, David Osmond, is sitting right across me. And David, you know, we are part of the web journalism. We are part of this whole change about the way people get their news and their information. Well, you know, it's had its impact. The publisher of the New York Times acknowledged Mm -hmm. last week that the newspaper will go out of print soon. We will stop printing the New York Times sometime in the future. 
A date to be announced, Arthur Salzberger told an audience at a London media summit. Salzberger's statement came in response to a prediction that the newspaper would be out of print by 2015, around the corner. This sounds obvious, but it's a big deal, business editor, founder um, Henry Blodgett wrote. The economics of the online news business will not support the infrastructure or newsroom that the printed paper supports unless the New York Times company can come up with a miracle new digital revenue stream, and everybody's been trying to find it, therefore it will eventually have to be restructured and downsized or sold to a deep-pocketed Sidney Harmon type who can run it out of loss, strictly out of love. Early next year, the newspaper will introduce a metered model paywall. I like that new word, paywall. Paywall. To to its Mm. website, which Salzberger said has the benefit, let's see what benefits he's got here, of uh, allowing our millions of readers who come to us through search engines to find out, still find out our content. So it's the gray lady is Mm. going, David. The the greatest American newspaper, the greatest of all American newspapers. Well, certainly, and it's... It is not so long ago that they were setting type by hand, and then it wasn't so long ago that they had linotypes that were setting it. And when I worked for Newsweek back in the late uh, 1950s, uh, there was still there was still hot type that went into the news went into the magazine. So well, I grew up in a, in a newspaper family. My dad would take me down yep. into the press room of the Cleveland Plain Dealer. You could smell the lead. Mm-hmm. Guys were wearing little white hats they'd made out of pages of newspaper, right? And it was it was Ben Hecht Redux. And I never in my, would I could I have ever imagined that you know as I became you know decades older that this institution would disappear because I wouldn't know why, right? Somebody would say, well, it'll all be online. Hmm, I don't know what he means by that. Yeah, well, it's all very well and good to have things online and lots of information and to be able to Google your life away. But, uh, but here it is. Here's the New York Times. I can, I can um, recycle this. Yeah, you okay. can wrap fish in it. I, I could put it on the bottom of the birdcage. Yes, all you- of those things that you can do with the newspaper. The Los Angeles Bird Liner and the New York Fish Wrap, the, the new newspapers. The, the two great uh, coastal papers, yeah. right? And, and you know that one of the one of the major forces behind making marijuana illegal back in the 20s was the newspaper business, which was investing in forests of pulpwood and feared hemp as a competitor. One, they were one of the forces. So you're sitting there also holding a tree in your hand in order to read. Now, I've, I've, I have no attitude about that. You no, can grow trees as a crop as easily as anything else, but um, you don't need them trees, you know, to do it. No, and, but what do you have to grow? You have to, what are you growing to make, uh, you know, to make the whole thing work on a uh, on a Mac laptop? Okay, you yeah, you're right. There? There, I there's, mean, there's a large commitment of resources to the laptop. It's huge. And you have to create the electricity which right now is made by dirty dirty coal and lots of oil. It's true. They're, they're, it's not without a footprint, I'm not saying. But the fact is, is that whole idea of like lying in bed on a Sunday morning with the New York Times. Yeah, coming maybe apart some locks, Maybe sections. some locks and bagel, maybe a mm. cigarette in the old days and some strong dark <laughs> coffee. It's a good buy. It's just, you know, you're going to be sitting there with your iPad or something like it on your lap. You will, or you'll probably be finding old, old copies of the New York Times that could be sent to you, you know, illegally smuggled on right, stuff smuggled called out. paper. Smuggled out on paper. Well, but it does bother me that we don't have those guys, the linotype guys with the paper hats, that we don't uh, – who, who's now – who's working? Who, who's the working class of the new journalism? Is it you and me? 
It's you and, we're publishing it and it, writing it. And it's you and me, baby. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, we got to start making some paper hats because it really is <laughs> you and I. And it was, you know, I, I read this article about the 10, uh, 10 major areas of work that are disappearing in America, shrinking and not returning once again to their robust, you know, pre-life. Mm-hmm. Newspapers is one of them. And they're talking about 160,000 more reporters and, and people going in the next year. And it's way, way down. It's suffering seriously. You know, and therefore, what what's the new journalism school going to look like in the university? Right, it's not going to teach you to, you know, write for a newspaper and sit around with a City bunch room. of your friends. Uh, you know, I mean, yeah, they're, they're copy boy. You know, your big happy newspapers like Politico is real real successful, but how big a room is that? How many people? Maybe forty people at uh, at, at computers. I mean, you know, where, where's all the president's men? Where you know, where's Deep Throat? It's uh, what happened to all that romance? Oh yeah, yeah. The guy in the in the in the garage in the dark. Yeah. Mark Felt. It turned out to be Mark Felt, Felt. right? He, Head of the FBI passed yeah. all that information along. And thank God for Mark. But what's he going to do now? Come or you know he's he's gonna like email it he's gonna post it blog it well he's changed into the guy from WikiLeaks of course he's, he's going to he's gonna take a WikiLeak yeah yeah excuse me I uh, I'll be right back I'm going to take a WikiLeak the coward's war goes on and on and on this from Newsweek. International interest in events in Pakistan may have shifted to the humanitarian crisis caused by floods and a fresh wave of terrorist bombings. But three reported attacks with drone-borne missiles last weekend serve as a reminder that an intense secret U.S. air campaign is continuing against alleged terrorist targets in the country's tribal regions. Notice the word alleged. Alleged terrorists. Oh my, that's like being 116th Jewish in Nazi Germany or something like it. The Voice of America's website quoted Pakistani officials saying that three suspected attacks with missiles from U.S.-operated drones killed at least 15 people in the North Waziristan region along Pakistan's border with Afghanistan. And I ask you, by the way, what threat to the American homeland is 15 people in Waziristan? According to this report, the first attack in a village called Dunde Darpaikel was aimed at a compound used by a member of the Haqqani Network, an Afghan Taliban group that for some time has been operating mainly from the Pakistani side of the border. Hey, talk about blowback? Haqqani? This is the group of mercenaries run by the son whose father was completely supported by the CIA during the time when we stuck our thumb up the ass of the Soviets for being in Afghanistan. And guess what? Take Take out your thumb, and we're there now. In another of the latest incidents, a drone-borne missile reportedly killed four militants. I love it. Ter- What's the difference between a militant, a terrorist, and an insurgent? Right? I, you know, I don't know. During World War II, they had those outlines of the silhouettes of airplanes, so you could look up at the sky and say, "Oh, that's a kamikaze, and that's a Piper Cub." But what does a silhouette of a militant and an insurgent and a terrorist look like? Oh, my. Anyway, these drone-borne missiles, the coward's way, the joystick jockeys, uh, killed four militants who were riding in a vehicle near a town called Datakel. A third missile struck near Miran Shah, a major town in North Waziristan, also allegedly killing four militants. Hey, how does it feel to be allegedly killed? And, And who marked these people as insurgents? Memories... 
of the Phoenix program in Vietnam come to mind when we killed so-called Viet Cong sympathizers on the word of somebody in a village. It was a great way of getting rid of somebody who owed you money uh, or whose position you wanted to take over or whose wife you lusted after. Now, I don't think the joystick jockeys in Las Vegas who are sending these hellfire missiles up the asses of these alleged militants are lusting after their wives. I think they're getting some other kind of kick out of it. U.S. officials say the drone campaign against suspected terrorist encampments in Pakistani tribal areas has proceeded at a relatively steady pace despite the country's internal upheavals. Yeah, they lose 20% of their arable land. They're in complete crisis, and we're droning them. And that the three drone strikes represent a steady continuation of the campaign rather than an intensification of the American-backed secret war. Oh, I just love secret wars. Officials said the targets of the latest drone strikes are believed, believed, believed by who and to what end, believed to have included both foreign fighters. Oh, there's a fourth silhouette. We got militants, insurgents, terrorists, and foreign fighters, and they're affiliated with Al-Qaeda or the Taliban and native Pakistani or Afghan fighters. U.S. policymakers say they believe the recent wave of bombings attributed to the Pakistani Taliban demonstrates why U.S. forces and those allies in the Pakistani government who are not otherwise beleaguered cannot afford to let up pressure, even in times of great crisis on suspected militant encampments. The army is becoming boosters for drones. Keep them coming, they say. We need the paychecks. The drones are running the CIA. They're running the DOD. Man, we are in deep doo-doo. A U.S. official familiar with recent events noted, You're seeing the continuation of a long, precise campaign to erode the ability of terrorists to operate in the tribal areas. Erosion. Attrition. Hearts and minds. It's a nightmare. That includes attack planners, facilitators, and fighters. It's a reminder that Al-Qaeda and its violent allies may be bleeding, but they're still out there and they're still very dangerous. So, it's a war of erosion. Now, good old attrition where we trade high-tech unmanned bombs for an endless flow of insurgents. (laughs) Well, many of those surgeons, we find out, have been turned into Taliban because of the very drone strikes. We are so fucked. I have Michael Newman on the phone. Uh, he's a professor of philosophy at Trent University in Ontario, Canada, and the author of What's Left, The Rule of Law and the Case Against Israel. And uh, it's a pleasure to have you here. Uh, Michael, welcome to Radio Free Oz. Thanks for having me. And this is the Jewish New Year system, system really, season. Maybe it is a system. And uh, I want to ask you a general question. Uh, what, what prospects do you see for any kind of reconciliation between Israel and the Palestinians in the next year? Where do you think America is going to fit in? Just give me an overview and, 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 and let's go from there, okay? Well, in few words, reconciliation... You've got to be kidding. That's not going to happen. Uh, America's role, practically nothing. America's is way too timid. Obama's way too timid. And the American Congress, which is what Obama's worried about, is, I think, pretty far behind the American people in its attitudes toward Israel. Uh, the, The American people don't seem to idolize Israel the way the American Congress does. Now, 
That said, I'm not that pessimistic about the next year, but I don't think that it's going to come from negotiations. I don't think it's going to come from uh, political agitation, and I don't think it's going to come from the United States. I think it's going to come, uh, if there's any positive change, from Israel realizing that it can't go on the way it's going on. And by that I mean that it's going to see, not now, not next year, not the year after, but somewhere on the horizon, a, a serious military threat. I mean, as it is right now, Israel has fought for its security for 60 years, and where is it? Not a square inch of its territory is uh, free from exposure to rockets from Lebanon. Turkey's turning against it. Syria and Turkey are reconciling. And basically everybody in the region is getting fed up with Israel. My hope is that the Israelis will be like the South Africans who saw the writing on the wall many years before there was any kind of military threat and decided to throw in the towel. Uh, something similar happened in Algeria. That may, that may happen. Reconciliation, American pressure, uh, I can't take it seriously. Well, when you, when you, when you talk about the, uh, using the format uh, or the module of South Africa, basically a state in which uh, the majority of the population were oppressed by, by a minority who indeed, as you say, threw in the towel and created a free state, which is now basically an, you know, an African state. Um, it's, not, it's not working 100%, but there it is. Is it possible for us to think of an Israeli one-state solution? in which uh, uh, it no longer is a Jewish state, but is a state called, you know, Israel, that, that, uh, in which all people are given the same rights and the same citizenship? Is that a possible solution? Nope. Uh, I don't think there's the slightest chance of that. Uh, I think that everything Israel is and stands for is as a Jewish state. If they're not going to go for leaving the occupied territories, <clears throat> they're certainly not going to go for a single state. For them, that would be giving up the whole thing. Uh -huh. And I think the Poles in Israel would uh, back me up on that. Well, uh, then what is the alternative? Is the two-state solution a true alternative? Uh, yeah. I, I, You know, I don't understand what complications uh, people see in this, except the ones that people have deliberately introduced. As far as I'm concerned, the whole kerfuffle about negotiations is incomprehensible. Nobody needs any negotiations. All Israel has to do is pull out, move its troops behind the 1967 borders, and the settlers uh, can either come running after or they can stay and, and await whatever fate uh, they're going to be dealt with. Uh, that's, that's the solution, I see. It seems and, simple. You know, I agree. I mean, it, 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 67 borders, okay, you know, you've got a, a second state which is radically poor. I don't know if they have uh, necessary enough access to water, etc. But those are all situations that can be dealt with, right? That's all negotiable and workable. What's, Absolutely. What, what is keeping the two-state solution from happening, Michael? Well, this is what 
pisses me off so badly. Nothing much. I, I think that all the, the suffering and horror that's going on right now is over nothing so much as some cheap real estate. Mm-hmm. I, I think too many Israelis have, you know, got nice condos in the occupied territories. Uh, too many American sons of bitches have gone over there and they, they have their settlements with their, their swimming pools and their lawns uh, made out of Palestinian uh, soil and water. And uh, none of this has anything to do with Israel's survival or Jewish survival or anything of the kind. This is just people being spoiled and pig-headed and being uh, indulged in their childish behavior by uh, the United States Congress and the whole sort of myth of uh, the, 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 of, of you know, Jewish oppression as something uh, relevant and, and contemporary today. And there are no substantive issues. Let me ask you I this mean, then. You know, I, yeah. I expect people to be sons of bitches in their own interest, but this <laughs> isn't even in Israel's interest. Well, let me ask you this then. Let us say, for example, that the... <clears throat> <clears throat> that the two-state solution was brought about and America supported it. Would this do a lot to ameliorate the whole anti-American feeling amongst the uh, ra- amongst radical Islam around the world? Would it affect the world jihad, the so-called war on terror, which I find terribly suspect? Uh, yeah. Uh, to be honest, I, I don't know. That, 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 I think, is, is the right answer here. It, it's an awfully big question because you've got a, a great uh, variety within the Middle Eastern states around there, and it's not clear to me what the deep grievances are. You know, I, I'm not one of these guys who on uh, September 12th, uh, 2001 suddenly became an expert in Islam in the Middle East. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I think it, it's pretty complicated. What I do think is that it, it will definitely help America. And the reason I think it'll help America is that right now, I think the world views America as stupid and crazy. Why? Well, because it's acting stupid and crazy. That's a good and, reason. Yeah. yeah. The way that shows up the most is the the U.S. backing Israel when this does obviously great damage to America's reputation and, and when Israel is useless. In, 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 in the first Gulf War in 1990, Syria fought on the side of the U.S., well, Israel had to sit back and be protected. I know. It's a, very, it's a very complicated situation. And you know what? We're going to continue this conversation uh, in, 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 this, in the second of our interviews, uh, which will be coming up immediately uh, on the site. Uh, I'd like to thank you very much, Michael, for being with us, and I look forward to talking with you again. And uh, is there a website that people can go up to to, to contact you or to, take a look, or to take a look at your work or become f- more familiar with your thinking? Uh, yeah, uh, I'm on Tripod, so it's uh, M Newman, M N E U M A N N dot Tripod dot com, and then uh, M N Israel H T M. I've got most of my stuff on, on Israel on that page. Uh, 
Okay, good. We'll, we'll publish it. Thank you very much, Michael Newman. Thanks. It's been a pleasure. I was performing with Phil Proctor in Madison, Wisconsin in the mid-70s, uh, sharing the bill with Patti Smith. Driving into the venue's parking garage, I was treated to a large graffiti that read, Eat the Rich. I thought it was apt then, and I think it's a whole lot more apt now. The economic cancer that's eating away at our society is the unbelievable and ultimately unbearable income disparity between the rich and everybody else. On today's Oz, uh, I'm reading uh, a piece by Timothy Nash in Slate called The Great Divergence. He points out that in 1915, when we were displacing Britain as the richest nation on the planet, our wealthiest 1% accounted for 18% of the nation's income. Today, that figure is an outrageous 24%. The widening of this chasm uh, wasn't spread out over the century. It erupted in the last two decades. And now, here we are, going broke state by state, business by business, household by household, individual by individual, while a small, tight-knit cabal of multimillionaires and multi-multimillionaires take control of the political process. Today, I I'm quoting from an article in Bloomberg about how the most politically conservative Supreme Court since the New Deal decided that money, regardless of how much is gathered at one point to do the damage, is free speech, unleashing the ultra-rich super PACs with the jovial, ever-jowly Karl Rove running with the big dogs again. Thank DARPA or Dharma, your choice, for the internet. An Excalibur pulled out of the lake just in time to do battle with this tax-free propaganda juggernaut and Fox's stable of hydra-headed hooligans and altar boy bullies. At some level of their consciousness, the super-rich, along with everybody else, knows that the whole thing is coming apart. The response since the Bush coup light in 2004 has been a pell-mell rush to fascism. Not the black leather and strut fascism of Benito Mussolini. America is developing its own brand with its own icons and its own enemies. But it's fascism nonetheless. The conflation of government, finance, military, and the conclave of Christian ayatollahs appearing in megachurches and mall fronts everywhere. Right now, brand new American fascism is doing just fine because the bulk of the people who can and will eventually do something about it are still in shock. No surprise. It all happened pretty fast and at the end of an equity bubble that was a soft ride for anybody who had any real estate on them at the time. Boom dot burst. All gone. No bueno. Now we have to pull ourselves together and solve this on our own. We can't wait for big government, Wall Street, the DOD, CIA, and the inerrant to play house with us. Their tools and toys are so big and so expensive that they choose to play only with each other, but with our money. There's nothing immoral, unethical, or unnatural about a 95% tax rate for super wealth, a lifting of the corporate veil, Aren't we an AFPAC to lift veils? A moratorium on all domestic drilling, a decommissioning of all nuclear weapons, and on and on, dear friends. We're not alone. My next blog is about all the hackers, homeboys, Hecates, and heroes waiting in the wings to help get the new New Deal off the ground. Well, 9-11 is over, you know. It's, it, I, I fear it almost as much as the 4th of July and various other <laughs> holidays where weird things happen sometimes. But they, they did not really burn many Korans.
That's no. the good news. No, right? or tear many pages out. No. A, but a would-be Koran burner in Amarillo, Texas, was foiled by a 23-year-old Texas skateboarder named Jacob Isom, who was among a group of people protesting a planned burning on Saturday. As Isom described it, I snuck up behind him and took his Koran, and he said something about burning the Koran. I said, dude, you have no Koran, and ran off. <laughs> oh, my. So this is the new, this, this is the new political dialogue. He should have been tweeting him, right? Dude, you have no, you know, all right. David Grisham, who announced the plans to burn the Koran in support of Florida Pastor Terry Jones, right? The Mm -hmm. wingy nut, who called off his own planned Koran burning on television, yeah, right, is the director of Repent Amarillo. According to the Amarillo Globe News, the group aims to deter promiscuity, homosexuality, and non-Christian worship practices through confrontation and prayer. This is serious stuff. Oh, confrontation. We're, well, uh-huh. pro- you, yeah. you're, 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 you, know, you are of the devil if you are promiscuous, mm-hmm. if you are homosexual, mm-hmm. and if you are worshiping in a non-Christian way. It's damn serious. And if David. you got all three together, they're really in your face. Oh, no. Okay, so. Repent Amarillo has recently led a boycott against Houston after it elected Mayor Anise Parker, who is a lesbian. It also targeted a group of local swingers back in March. Oh, jeez. According to the Globe News, Isom was one of about 200 people who gathered to support or protest Grisham's plan and says he grabbed Grisham's copy when he became distracted while arguing with several residents at Sam Houston Park about the merits of burning the Islamic holy book. You're just trying to start holy wars, Isom said to Grisham before giving the Quran to a Muslim leader who was also present. Yeah, that's what he's trying to do. Well, that's uh, that's, inter, that's sort of interfaith community communication there. I like that's a skateboarder. There's here's these three people. You know, okay, so you, you see the movie. Here's this guy who's going to burn the Quran. Whoever the hell part he of is. Amarillo right. repent. Yeah, okay. Amarillo repent. Which there's is a, all part of this scary, scary religio fascist stuff. That's there's happening. a there's a flag and a there's a flag and a, and a cross. Across there they're, they're there. And then there's the skateboarder. Yeah, man. you can imagine he's got the chains. He's you got know, the burn pants a hanging God, off his ass and a whole thing. Yeah, you know, man. a whole thing. Yeah. And uh, and, then, and then we find out there's a Muslim cleric or someone like or Muslim someone leader like him standing standing by. nearby, ready to take you know, ready to take the Quran. Well, what what I say? Well, I, th- I, I think I, I'm I'm proud of the skateboarder. Needless to say, I mean that's really quite a, a, a scene. But I'm I am. Yeah, scared of this confrontational thing now. And it's getting worse and worse, Dave. And more and more of those people are showing up at Tea Party rallies with guns saying, you know, bullets or ballots, there will be a reconstruction, all this sort of Didn't stuff. It used to be we were just uh, just afraid of the Hell's Angels. I mean, we were scared of them coming into town on their motorcycles. Yeah, the, that w- it? yeah the wild ones. Now, you know, now it's the inerrant ones you have to watch out for. Oh, gosh. On their prayer mobiles. <laughs> never made a mistake. Never going to make one. Bam, bam. There's a kind of poem, actually a kind of doggerel, called an abecedary. Uh, it's the A to Z format. They used to, like, uh, embroider it into samplers in another distant time. But I like it as a format for dealing with what's going down. And here is my most recent abecedary. And it's called... From the A's to the Z's. A's for Alaska, where wingnuts abound. B is for Bilderberg, deep underground. C is for coal, dirty fuel, dirty grave. D is the Dems with a Congress to save. E's the electorate, angry and scared. F is the fascist, well-paid and prepared. 
G is the GMO food on the shelf. H is the harm it can do to yourself. I is for Islam, but which one, by God? Is J for their justice or endless jihad? K is for Karzai and his dope-dealing bro. L is how long he will last when we go. M is for Mahmoud Ahmadinejad's fist, which he shakes when he says that his nukes don't exist. O's for Obama, I'm so glad he's there. P's the people who think that he's Saladin's heir. Q is Al-Qaeda, Osama's vile thugs. R is Rydia that pays for their weapons and rugs. S is the stimulus, vision, and plan. T is the tea party, duped to a man. U is unmanned drones flown from far, far away. V is the innocent victims they slay. W is the prick who put us in this hole. X is the factor we'll never control. Y is the question. Why must our country begin this ground zero sum game that no one can win? If we rise above gender, wealth, power, and age, put an end to this flag-waving, book-burning rage, and just tend the garden, play our parts, take our ease, we can rebuild the future from the A's to the Z's. Hey, uh, if you have a moment, uh, we'd love for you to join us on Twitter. This is a, a whole new social network outreach that we're getting into. Uh, and I think Twitter is is a really good way for people to meet each other and to know Oz and to spread Oz. Just go to www.twitter.com slash Oz Network and click on the follow button. And we'll be making some announcements on Twitter soon and you won't want to miss them. Okay, well, even if you do want to miss them, go up because that's your choice. This one out of the huff and puff. Pennsylvania's Democratic governor and conservative morning Joe host Joe Scarborough agree. America cannot afford to spend $2 billion per week in Afghanistan while millions of its citizens languish without a job. Duh. During a discussion about the nation's high unemployment rate, Governor Ed Rendell proposed a massive federal investment in infrastructure to spur job growth and address the country's flagging transportation, energy, and water systems. Scarborough, with an eye on the bottom line, said... Over the next week, we'll spend over $2 billion in Afghanistan. What if we invested that in our economy? $2 billion a week on a war without end. Rendell took Scarborough's figure and expanded it, imagining what the U.S. could do at home with the money spent on the war in Afghanistan. For $2 billion a week, that's $100 billion a year, you could finance a federal capital budget where you're spending $1.1 trillion fixing up our infrastructure. That's the debt service on $1.1 trillion of work. That would keep American manufacturing humming for the next four years. Scarborough summarized his concerns about Afghanistan. They're mine too, by the way. When we are debt-ridden, when our economy is collapsing, when our troops are spread out across the globe, how do we continue fighting a war without an end game? he asked. Yeah, well, unfortunately, we the people are the end game. When the game is over, it's end of everything.
This is off uh, Bergman's blog on the Radio uh, Free Oz uh, site, which we welcome you to come up, take a look, read, make some comments, get involved. We're having a lot of fun up there, and it just gets better and better. And this is called Fear and Hate 451. So, Pastor Terry Jones has upped his cue another mega level by going on the Today Show and telling the world he isn't going to throw his 9-11 Koran burning party after all. A patriotic pie in the face to the show's producers for giving in to this toxic wingnut's blackmail. All Terry had to do was threaten a mean, senseless, wildly damaging act that barely qualifies within the Bill of Rights, and bingo! He's on the front page of the Daily Fish Wrap, pumped full of Google juice, huff and puffed, blogged within an inch of his life, and on the couch between Lady Gaga and Sharon Osbourne, telling David, Jay, and Conan why he decided not to put a match to Muhammad. What puts the extra O in this odious scenario is that the Rev did not heed the advice of his president, the general in charge of the AFPAC crusade, every other Christian in Gainesville, and Mama Bear herself until the very last moment. Never mind the mobs in Kabul calling for my death. I am an American. Never mind the brigade of youth turned to jihad because of this egregious provocation. Pastor Pyromaniac has quickened the late summer news cycle and made a thousand column inches bloom. Permitting him to preen and posture on camera as he prepares to put the torch to someone else's truth is a demonstration loud and clear of the resilience and capacity of our democracy, the very product we're importing abroad to millions of someone else's. And in a better world, one in which we gathered up our failed policies and spent uranium and returned home to take care of our own, the story of how we let Terry be Terry in the name of free speech and personal freedom would be told in every girls' school we had built from the Khyber Pass to Kandahar. But no, this flexing of our muscular system of civil liberties was obscured by the chorus of Muslim rhetoric emanating from the nasty crowds at Ground Zero, the troubled mind of Newt Gingrich, and the poisonous preachings of Franklin Graham, among others. Oh, that Billy had not given us his only son. What's next? Surely Reverend Terry's public relations triumph has produced a litter of copycats. They're going to have to belly up and lift the bar of desecration if they expect to get any respect from the jaded pharaohs of journalism. The resources are there. Just browse the slideshow from Abu Ghraib. All it takes is a little imagination and a willing press. See you on the other side. Well, hello, dear friends. This is the Reverend Bill Barnstormer, and I'm right here by your side at the first ultra-unorthodox church of science. Fiction. You know, dear friends, 
We've all been thinking a lot about freedom and say thank you for that. What with the colorful historic recreationists out there dressed up like George Washington, Patrick Henry, and those original nine justices who, who wrote our Constitution. And the don't tread on my snake flags. Yes, sir. Live free or die, they say, but you know, most of us are not ready for that just yet in this lifetime and say thank you for that. So can't we all agree that big government's nose has no place under the sheets? Now, the sheet metal siding on my double wide, that has the government's nose all over it. Now about freedom and taxes. You know, I don't pay taxes because I've taken a vow of near poverty and I'm as near as I'd like to get. <laughs> say thank you for that. But dear friends, if you are a rich person, take that tax money Congress is gonna give back to you and trickle it on down. Pay somebody to drive your laundry to the French cleaners. Eat your meals out and tip. Spread it around at the farmer's market. Spend freely and say thank you. You know, not so long ago, dear friends, freedom meant a thing with a, a deadly price on it for a lot of folks. Why, some women figured it was all about voting and jobs and Cosmopolitan magazine. And, and most, most kids thought freedom was summer vacation. And you could say thank you again and again for that. But freedom at this time isn't about the show off in the wig. It's about our right as the chosen people, Americans, to milk the cow dry. And the sooner she's dry, dear friends, the closer we are to that next world where we can all say thank you and eat our last supper unto all eternity. This is the Reverend Bill Barnstormer. Don't forget to send for my two new good booklets medical marijuana inside the government health plan and household tips about terrorists. Just send a, a cute postcard to me at Good Booklets, Box X, in Old Gas Pipe, California. Goodbye for now. This is from Up Against the Wall Street Journal. The Obama administration is set to notify Congress of plans to offer advanced aircraft to Saudi Arabia worth up to $60 billion, the largest U.S. arms deal ever, and is in talks with the kingdom about potential naval and missile defense upgrades that could be worth tens of billions of dollars more. That's great. This is great. Thank you, Barack support the corrupt and wildly unproductive American defense industry and put more superweapons in the hands of the cabal that took down the Twin Towers. The administration plans to tout the $60 billion package as a major job creator, supporting at least 75,000 jobs according to company estimates, and sees the sale of advanced fighter jets and military helicopters to key Middle Eastern ally Rija as a part of a broader policy aimed at shoring up Arab allies against Iran. Hey, were any Iranians aboard those planes on 9-11? They were all screwing Saudis. 
The $60 billion in fighter jets and helicopters is the top-line amount requested by the Saudis, even though the kingdom is likely to commit initially to buying only about half that amount. We are so broke we are willing to sell to anyone, especially that clique that turns on and off one of the world's largest oil spigots. In a notification of Congress expected to be submitted soon, the administration will authorize the Saudis to buy as many as 84 new F-15s, What in the hell are they going to do with 84 F-15s except give every prince a license? Upgrade 70 more and purchase three types of helicopters, 70 Apaches, 72 Blackhawks, and 36 Little Birds, officials say. Give them all the deadly toys they want as long as it's cash on the barrel head. And you know what those barrels are filled with. Talks are also underway to expand Saudi Arabia's ballistic missile defenses. The U.S. is encouraging the Saudis to buy systems known as THAAD, Thermal High Altitude Defense, and to upgrade its Patriot missiles to reduce the threat from Iranian rockets. Who else is going to buy this crap? And what are they talking about? When has Iran threatened the Saudis? This is bullshit in the service of real state socialism. The defense industry, that's state socialism. We pay for everything and we get nothing back. U.S. officials say the Israelis are increasingly comfortable with the Saudi sale because the planes won't have certain long-range weapon systems. Also, the Israelis are in line to buy a more advanced fighter, the F-35, and should begin to receive them around the same time the Saudis are expected to start getting the F-15s. We appreciate the administration's efforts to maintain Israel's qualitative military edge, and we expect to continue to discuss our concerns with the administration about the issues, said Michael Loren, the Israeli ambassador to the U.S. Oh, let's just dig the hole deeper and deeper. The Saudis are the lovely buzzards who gave us the Wahhabi way of life, and we're giving Israel super weapons and trying to broker peace simultaneously. What a charade! What's that all about? What's it all about, Mr. and Mrs. John Q. Smith from Anytown, USA? Well, it's about this long. And about that wide. And it's about this country. About which we're singing about. This beauty is from the uh, Charlotte Observer via The Daily Beast. A Concord man was charged with describing how to make explosives in an effort to bomb an abortion clinic after FBI agents found instructions on the man's Facebook page and caught him in a sting last week. Justin Carl Moose, that's right, Moose, 26, is a self-described extremist radical and the Christian counterpart of Osama bin Laden, according to an affidavit filed by FBI agents. That's what, yeah, you know who I am? I'm a Christian counterpart of Osama bin Laden. Dig me. His arrest followed an investigation that began after Planned Parenthood alerted the FBI to a Facebook page registered to Moose, which the group said was advocating extreme violence against abortion providers. Agents began monitoring the page and Moose's private messages. They said he collaborated last week with a confidential informant to plan the bombing of an abortion clinic in North Carolina. What a bad idea. You know, haven't you got anything else to do with your weekends, Moose? Moose's Facebook page, which was still public, contained posts expressing anger at abortion doctors, President Barack Obama's health care plan, and plans to build a mosque near Ground Zero in New York City. It also included expressions of support for those who have killed abortion providers. Whatever you may think about me, you're probably right, he wrote on his Facebook page, according to the affidavit. There's some deep thinking. Whatever you may think about it, me, you're probably right. 
because I'm not thinking at all. Extremist, radical, fundamentalist, yep, terrorist. Well, I prefer the term freedom fighter. No, I prefer wacko terrorist. The death care bill passed last night. He wrote when Obama's health care plan was approved in March. Keep your phone and rifle close and wait. And we have Sarah Palin to thank for the death squad bill lies, right? Well, so uh, when are we going to hold her accountable? She's part of all this puss and poison. There are few problems in life that can't be solved with a proper application of high explosives. This is Moose wrote two months uh, later in Facebook. That's good. There's, you know, either a bullet or a ballot, there will be a reconciliation or reconstruction, whatever those Tea Party people say. If a mosque is built on ground zero, it will be removed Oklahoma City style. Tim's not the only man out there who knows how to do it. The affidavit says he wrote in July in reference to Tim McVeigh, who bombed a federal building in Oklahoma City and got the needle for it. In August, the affidavit says Moore posted detailed instructions for making TATP, an acronym for an explosive like that used by terrorists in the 2005 London subway bombings. FBI agents obtained search warrants and started reading his private messages. In one sent to a fellow abortion opponent, agents say Moose wrote, I have learned a lot from the Muslim terrorists and have no problem using their tactics. Just like the Muslim terrorists have no problem using our television, our media, our tactics. Hey, it's crossover time. On September 3rd, agents put their plan in motion. Their confidential source phoned Moose and told him that his best friend's wife was going to have an abortion. FBI agents recorded the call. Say no more, Moose said, according to the affidavit. I understand, and I can help. What? What's he going to do? Perform an abortion? On Friday, September 4th, the confidential source met Moose at the TGI Friday's restaurant at Concord Mills, the affidavit said. Abortion bomber and undercover agent meet for a bubbly at the TGI Friday's. Thank God he's a terrorist. There... In a conversation recorded by the FBI, Moose described several bombs the source could make in order to destroy the abortion clinic the woman was planning to use. Moose also gave the source advice on how to conduct surveillance. Now get this, he's really... He told the source to drink several beers and stagger around the clinic pretending to be drunk. If authorities confronted him, Moose explained the man could tell them he was just looking for a place to urinate. On the president. Finally... On September 5th, the confidential source called Moose again and said he had obtained the chemicals to make the explosive TATP. Moose talked him through the process of making the explosive and answered his questions, the affidavit says. Moose was arrested two days later. A neighbor said she saw unmarked cars and FBI agents with guns drawn around the house that day. Well, it's open season for Moose. My portfolio is high I'm going on vacation Anywhere I wanna I put it on my card I could use a little sun And to see some ancient ruins The pyramids are calling Off to Egypt I will fly I go swimming in the big Egyptian river Bathing in the waters of the Nile 
The sun is shining down And everybody's happy Bathing in the waters Of denial My job is so secure And my government is stable The weather's getting better A little warmer every year And now we've got free trade And everyone will prosper The locals here are happy I think I'll have another beer Let's go swimming now We're swimming in the big Egyptian river Bathing in the waters Of the Nile The sun is shining down And everybody's happy Bathing in the waters Of the Nile I thought I heard a bomb It must be a celebration If anything was wrong They tell me on TV Sometimes I am amazed How perfect things are going I think I'll do some shopping And take a little time for me Everybody's doing it We're swimming in the big Egyptian river stroke, breast stroke, side stroke, crawl Bathing in the waters of denial He's got it, he's got it all The sun's shining down And everybody's happy Happy, he's so happy, happy Bathing in the water of denial Oh yeah, everybody's doing it We're swimming in the big Egyptian river Breaststroke, sidestroke, crawl Bathing in the water Of denial He's got it, he's got it all The sun's shining down And everybody's happy Happy, he's so happy, happy Bathing in the water Of denial We'll go bathing in the water Bathing in the waters of denial As if the U.S. wasn't facing enough problems in Afghanistan, a former employee of a government contractor that supplies interpreters to the U.S. Army said in an ABC News report that more than one quarter of the translators working in the country had failed language proficiency exams, but they were sent into the battlefield anyway. Huh? What did you say in Pashtun? Really? I determined that someone, and I, I don't know who at that time, was changing the grades from blanks or zeros to passing grades, Paul Funk, a former employee at the Ohio-based Mission Essential Personnel, told ABC. Many who failed were marked as being passed. Funk also alleged that Mission Essential Personnel ignored cheating on language exams that were taken over the phone. The company holds contracts worth up to $1.4 billion of my dollars. U.S. Army officials confirmed they were investigating the company. They said this to ABC News. 
Mission Essential personnel strongly objected to the ABC story in a statement posted recently. The company said that Funk resigned due to financial improprieties in his office and said they would not litigate the issue in the media, i.e. they are busted. With willful disregard, ABC chose to ignore the facts, doing a grave disservice to the public and to many good people in the field, the company said. Many, not all, a quarter of them, are complete deadbeats, and we cheated, but you're doing a disservice to all the rest of them who vaguely got through. Earlier this year, the company was given a one-year no-bid $679 million extension of its current contract, Wired reported. As Wired pointed out, the company had previously been accused of abandoning wounded employees and allegedly hired out-of-state employees, even some in their 60s and 70s. But if you think you'd make the cut, the company is hiring. And a listing posted this week says interpreters are paid $210,000 a year. How do you say incorrectly in Pashtun, where do I line up for this job? You just heard the best of the best, and here's the Oz team that keeps it best. Peter Bergman, say moi. I'm your host, David Osman, your co-host. John Cumming does a little bit of electric here and a little bit of electric there. Phil Fountain, head of the design group. Tom Gedwillow, he's our web monitor. Chaz Glass, man, he is finance. Dave Maloney does the sound. Bill McIntyre produces it, and Scott Wilde is our media guru.